You know that's the sound of another sale on your online Shopify store. But did you know Shopify powers selling in person too? That's right. Shopify is the sound of selling everywhere. Online, in-store, on social media, and beyond. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers inline and online. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash true crime. I've been playing this game on my phone recently. It's called June's Journey. And it's pretty beautiful, actually. There's a story to it. It's about this woman named June Parker, whose sister and brother-in-law were mysteriously killed. This is in the 1920s. And June goes to their estate to try to figure out what happened. And the way you play it, it's, it's a hidden object mystery game. So you're looking at these scenes and you have to try to figure out where things are and you tap on them and those become clues. So you are actually kind of like the detective here. You're investigating these beautifully detailed scenes of the 1920s to uncover the mystery of what happened. I'm pretty deep into it already and the question is, can you crack the case? Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. The following episode of Strictly Stalking contains depictions of domestic violence and sexual assault. Listener discretion is advised. I think there's a certain level of safety and comfort when there's a friend of a family who you know, possibly your parents know, your relatives know. I just get the sense that you're going to feel a lot safer entering a relationship with someone like that than you would a stranger from the outside. In the beginning of a relationship, it's really hard to tell if the person is really there for the right reasons or, you know, if they're there to manipulate you. In this particular case, there wouldn't have been a reason for her not to trust this guy. Because, again, somebody who comes around the family, you know, that's the whole thing you always seek when you're dating somebody, right? Family approval. If your family loves him and your friends love him, he must be okay. More than once, we've seen that the stalker was somebody that was deemed a safe person. They were vetted by a family member. So there was really no reason for them to think that red flags were going to come up. He passed all the tests. I mean, he was vetted by the family. He was well-connected to security, so she felt safe when it comes to what he did and how he could protect her. But ultimately, it, it turned around on her when she tried to report it to the authorities. I can completely understand how someone would let their guard down in a situation like that. We all want that fairy tale ending, so it's really easy to get caught up in the moment and be blinded by what's really going on and not be able to see those red flags and the problems that are really occurring. He used to sit outside my work in his vehicle, and I would have to have somebody walk me to my car. And then I would do that whole thing where I drove around for hours before I went home just to give him, get him enough off my tail so that I could make it into my apartment before he got to my apartment. I'm Jamie Beebe. And I'm Jake Deptula. On today's episode of Strictly Stalking, we're chatting with Robin. At the end of her senior year of high school, Robin was swept off her feet by her cousin's best friend. He began love-bombing her with candy, flowers, and gifts, and then within two weeks of starting college, he proposed. Six months into their marriage, he began pressuring her to bring home another girl and told her not to come home if she didn't. He got abusive, calling her names, throwing and breaking things, shoving her out of bed, slamming her into things, and sexually assaulting her. She planned her escape, but through his law enforcement connections, he tracked her whereabouts. 
She lost her job, friends, and almost lost her life because of the terror he put her through. Robin, thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Where did you grow up? Um, I grew up in a small town in northwestern Oklahoma, Bible Belt of America, um, in, a, in a strong Christian uh, family. Were you a close-knit family? Yeah. Um, my parents, my sister and I, we were all very, very close. We took um, lots of family vacations together, camping during the summer. Um, our community itself was very tight-knit, so like everybody knew everybody's business, which is good and bad, and, um, you know, they really surrounded people and, and stood up for each other, you know, when they needed it, but they could also be very judgmental. And you met your stalker in high school. How did that happen? Well, I actually, yes, I met my stalker in high school. He was my cousin's best friend, and my cousin lived about an hour away from where I lived. And um, I was really close to my cousin. He was the closest one in my to my age growing up. And so we kind of clicked and um, did a lot of stuff together. My aunt and uncle were really close with me. So I kind of figured, like, if this guy is okay with my aunt, my uncle, and my cousin, then he's got to be a good guy. Um, so at my senior year, I actually had the same boyfriend all four years of high school. And towards the end of the year, we could see ourselves growing apart and um, so we decided to break up a little bit before prom. However, we still, we still finished the senior year, like, you know, went to prom together and we're friends and everything. But, um, during that period of time, after we broke up, I started, um, talking to my stalker. And what was your first impression of your stalker? So my first impression, I was like really, um, impressed with him. He was sweet. He was kind. He kind of had that southern gentleman. He opened doors. He said, yes, ma'am, yes, sir, to my parents. Um, he bought me flowers. He bought me gifts. He wanted to be at the things that were important to me. Um, he came to my senior dance recital. He came to my senior show choir showcase, um, and he was at my graduation. So, I mean, everything that a good boyfriend should do, he did that and beyond, um, and just kind of showered me with attention and with gifts. What did your cousin tell you about him before you met him? You know, he didn't really tell me a whole lot. Um, the only thing that I did know is that maybe a couple years prior to this, my cousin had told me that his friend or his friend, Max, used to stop and stare at my picture on the wall and tell him how pretty I was. Um, and and that, that's the really the only thing I knew much about. I knew that he was also involved in church, and um, he attended the same church as my cousin, so I really just kind of thought that they knew each other well enough for my cousin to, what that would have told me if he thought there were red flags, but he never did. And how did things change when you graduated high school? So I graduated high school, and um, my stalker just kind of basically engrossed himself in my life. He was always there. He helped me pack for college. He actually helped drive me to college. Um, he wanted to see me all the time. I wanted to see him all the time. Um, he was constantly sending me flowers. And within the first two weeks of me starting college, 
he proposed, which after how he had been treating me, I just thought it was just a whirlwind romance and that it was just meant to be. What was the proposal like? So um, he took me to a small park near the college that I was attending, and it was dark, but he had, I don't know how he did it, but there were like um, Christmas lights strung up in the trees, and I don't think they're normally there, so it was kind of unique, and he was like, hey, look at that, and so we started walking through the trees, and this is in August, so you know, there's not typically Christmas tree lights up. But then he just got down on one knee and proposed. And, of course, I was flattered and excited and overwhelmed. And I immediately said yes. Now that the world is opening up again and I'm going on a bunch of dates, I've been treating my hair horribly. The curling iron, the straightener, hairspray, and, of course, dry shampoo for all the days I don't even have time to wash it. You know, I'm more of a wash-and-go kind of guy, but I do know it's never too late to hit the reset button with clarifying detox shampoo from Way. I wish I could hit the reset button on my dating life, too. <laughs> well, I can't help you with your bad dates, but I do know if you use Way once a week to neutralize product buildup, oil, dirt, and hard water, it'll help with those bad hair days. What I love about Way is that it's great for all hair types, including hair treated with keratin, chemicals, color, or even a Brazilian blowout. I love that it doesn't mess with my color. It just gives me that extra silky shine. Wait, you're not really blonde? Oh, Jake. The only answer to that is that blondes definitely have more fun. <laughs> well, I can tell that from your Instagram. I love Way's full collection of cruelty sulfate and paraben-free hair care, body, and fragrance products. And Way was created by celebrity stylist Jen Atkin. If the celebrities are using this, then you know it's the best. When you're ready to undo some damage, hit the reset button with the Way Detox Shampoo. Go to T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and use code STALKING to get 15% off your entire purchase. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, code STALKING. Jake, I see you've been wearing a ring on your wedding finger. Do you have something to tell me? Uh, I wear it because it helps me find out the ladies when I'm out on the town. Seriously? Nah, I just think it looks cool. It's from Manly Bands and it's made of tungsten. They make men's rings out of any material you can imagine. Gold, wood, antler, steel, or even dinosaur bones. That's pretty rad. Whether your taste is predictable like mine or unpredictable like hers, you'll find something that suits you. I've actually been fantasizing about my wedding ring for more than half my life. I didn't even realize guys cared about getting one. I want at least a three-carat emerald cut ring with extra diamonds going all the way around the band. Okay. And back to me talking about my ring. To get started, I ordered the Manly Ring Sizer to make sure my ring would fit perfectly, chose the exact style and materials to fit my look, and boom, I got the ring of my dreams. They also offer free shipping worldwide, a 30-day exchange policy, and a free warranty. So for anybody out there who might be getting married, while there's a 50% chance of your marriage working out, there's a 100% chance you're going to love your band. To order your Manly Band and get 21% off plus a free silicone ring, go to manlybands.com slash stocking. That's manlybands.com slash stocking for 21% off. Manly Bands, the best damn rings, period. Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for listening. If you like the show, please be sure to leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It only takes a second, and it really helps us out. What did your friends and family think of him? So my mom was really the only one that had concerns. Um, I guess that she had, when he called to ask her permission to propose, she basically said, uh, begged him to give me time. <laughs> 
like I had just gotten out of a long-term relationship. I had just started college. If it was meant to be, it would work out. And that um, my mom really felt like if he cared enough about her opinion to ask, that he would care enough to respect her opinion by giving me some more time before he proposed. But he ignored my mom's request, which I didn't find out until later, and went ahead and proposed. Um, my my mom was the only one that had concerns. My dad, my sister, my friends, they all seemed really excited for me, and none of them had anything negative to say. However, I didn't just come out and say, hey, mom has concerns. What do you think? Um, I just kind of went along with it, and I thought my mom was just being overly pr- protective. And what was the marriage like? Um, so at first, the marriage was really good. Um, the first, let's say, few months. And then things started taking a turn. Um, He started making comments to me about wanting to involve another person in our marriage. Like, he wanted me to bring another girl home from school. And, of course, like, at first I really thought he was joking because that is not something that either of of us believed. Like, we didn't grow up thinking that that was appropriate or okay. Um, And so it was really hard for me to to understand why he was wanting this. Um, And it got to the point where he would tell me not, don't even come home if you're not bringing someone with you. Um, The worst it got was one night when I, he had told me that and I just kind of laughed it off and I came home anyway and he was already in bed. And I went and got in bed and laid down and I was almost asleep when he had turned himself sideways and taken both of his feet and kicked me out of the bed with his full strength. And let me just tell you, I am 5'3", and at the time I was like 95 pounds, and he was 6'4", and probably 240 pounds. And he shoved me out of the bed so hard that I hit the dresser across the room, and it gave me... It broke a blood vessel in my eye, and, of course, I had bruises all over. Um, But that was really the first big thing that happened, and I just couldn't – I was so shocked. I just got up and left the room and slept on the couch in the living room. I didn't say a word to him about it. Did you confront him about it? The next morning, I I did, and I was like, "What what was wrong with you? I just really don't understand why you would ask me to do this. You know that this is not who I am. Why did you marry me if this is what you want? And he just was all over himself apologizing. He bought me a diamond necklace. He brought me flowers. He was like, please don't tell anybody about this. It'll never happen again. I love you. Um, I would never hurt you. It's whatever you want, whatever you're comfortable with. Um, You don't have to bring anybody home. It's okay. I love our relationship just the way it is. So it would be, we were on this emotional roller coaster where there would be something bad that would happen and then all this good or kind of love bombing or sucking up that would happen afterwards that would make me feel like, okay, maybe it's going to be okay this time. Um, but of course, it, it never was. It always cycled back to the abuse. Yes, the cycle of abuse. What were some of the other red flags that you saw? Um, so he, 
some of the other things that happened, he um, he started attending the same college that I was attending a couple within a couple of years, and um, he always used to try to buy me stuff. So he would buy me a gift or something, and then maybe he would buy me an outfit. And then in class, he would beg me to wear the outfit to school. And then in class, he would call me out in front of people and say, hey, doesn't doesn't Robin look like such a whore? And people would just be shocked at how he would, you know, what he would say. But nobody defended me. Nobody told him, like, hey, that's really rude. That's your wife. But he did stuff like that to me constantly. Um, he put me down in front of his friends. Um, and he did a lot of things to try to separate me from my friends and family. Like, my cousin and his his fiancé um, were no longer his friends. Like, they'd done I don't know, even know what the thing that he said that they had done, but he would be like completely cast them out of our lives. And that seemed to be a cycle with him. He would find a friend or someone and they would be inseparable. And then all of a sudden they would do something and they would no longer be a part of his life. Um, so it seemed to be a cycle with not only me, but a cycle with other people in his life as well. Were there things that were that you felt were triggering him, or was this just out of left field? Like, could there be one day when he was, you know, perfectly nice, and then other days when he was abusive or demeaning to you, or what was what was his consistency in his behavior like? You know, I thought really hard about that after I got out of the relationship and I started um, counseling and everything to try to repair myself from the damage he had done, and I've never been able to pinpoint anything that would have triggered these episodes, I just, I don't know how else to explain it, but like I was his gasoline. I mean, we were, we were like firing gasoline and whenever I was around, he just, I don't know if it's that he put me on such a pedestal, like looking at my photo in my cousin's house that I never lived up to it because I'm a real person and no person really can. I, I really, I really can't say that I see one thing or another that stood out to me as a trigger for his behavior. Can you tell us a little bit about what he did for a career and what kind of things that he has access to? Absolutely. So when we were first together, he just worked a retail store. Um, but he slowly decided that he wanted, or he was in the, he was in the National Guard when we met, um, he was in the National Guard when he proposed to me and he was actually supposed to be deployed um, to Iraq, but he um, claimed a back injury and they medically discharged him shortly um, before we got uh, married. Um, however, he always had that kind of like, I'm this big macho guy attitude. So he went and he got his cleat certification so that he could carry a weapon, and he became a security officer. So he worked um, lots of different venues as far as security goes. Um, he started his own security company and actually employed a lot of the off-duty police officers in the metro area. So I didn't feel safe going to the police because most of them worked for him when they were off. And they saw how he treated me and talked about me at work. So it made me think, why would they ever help me when they don't do anything about it? 
when they're being employed by him. They don't say anything or do anything about it. I actually had a tape recorder that I used to record lectures at school, and he had asked to borrow it because when he gets in confrontations and stuff when he's working security, sometimes he needs to record the confrontation um, to back up his side of the story. And he had accidentally hit record, and he had recorded a conversation between him and the and a police officer that was security, and they were talking about his girlfriend that he had that I didn't know about, and he was saying that she was going to come visit him and that she was going to stay at our house, and he basically was like, I don't care. What's she going to do about it? And so it just, and I didn't hear that until years later. It got packed away with my stuff when I got moved out, and because um, my mom and dad, they knew that recorder was mine. They had bought it for me when I left for college, and so I didn't hear the tape until years later, and I was like, man, that just goes to show that these people, they didn't stand up for me. They didn't defend me. They heard how he treated me. They would have never helped me. As far as I know now, I think that he still works in, you know, a law enforcement type field, but I'm not, I'm not 100% sure. When did you realize your husband was stalking you? So my husband started stalking me um, not very long within our relationship. I mean, he was a security officer, so he worked a lot of nights, and he worked early into the morning. And generally, the places that he would work would be around 40 minutes, 40 to 45 minutes from where we owned a home. So um, he, you know, I might have a friend over, and I would get a call from him that would say, what guy do you have over at my house? And it was always his house. And, um, you know, it was never, I was never cheating on him or anything like that. It might, it was probably like my high school best friend. I remember one time specifically when she was over and he was like commando calling me. Um, and I finally had to put her on the phone with him so that he would believe me that she was there, but she was there <clears throat> in her mother-in-law's car. So it wasn't a car that he recognized. But I still don't know how or who he had watching watching me. Um, there were instances where maybe I would go to the grocery store and I would be walking down the aisle and maybe I would pick up, I don't know, zebra cakes or something fattening off the aisle. And he, I would get a text that would say, those will make you fat if you eat them. Or I might grab a new shirt or something off of a rack at Dillard's and he'd be like, that, you don't need that. That'll make you look ugly. Or that that's what whores wear. Or something like that. It just always seemed like he knew exactly where I was and what I was doing. Um, which, of course, makes you feel like, what type of relationship is this where he can't even trust me to go to the grocery store or to have a friend over, and he's got people watching me at all times? And I never could figure out how or who. And this was before the days of iPhones when you could track each other. He didn't have that capability. So he had to have had people watching me. Did you confront him about this? Did you ask him why he's doing this? Well, like one of the times when he commented on something at Walmart, when I was at Walmart, I, I messaged him and I was like, 
how did you even know I was here? And he'd be like, oh, so-and-so's wife is working there today, and she saw you. I mean, he would always play it off as something real casual. Um, you know, about my best friend being at our house, I asked him about that, and he just was like, oh, um, so-and-so, his top friend in this town that we lived in, drove by and saw the car and didn't recognize it. Tell us about the first time you tried to leave him. Okay. Um, The first time that I tried to leave him, I did finally get my family involved. And it took me a long time to feel comfortable enough to do that. Um, We were married in early 2003, and it was probably um, 2005 before I tried to leave the first time. My, My family came, my cousin and his parents and his wife and my mom and my dad and my sister and some friends of mine, and they all came in the, in the middle of the night so while he was at work, and we packed up everything that we felt like belonged to me, and we moved me into an apartment that was miles away, like probably 20 miles away. Um, I left the cell phone that I shared with him at our house, and my parents had gotten me a new cell phone, and they had even, it, it was one that had been my aunt. Um, but they changed the number before they gave it to me. So um, we left. I left him a note um, that was basically like, "You need. I still love you, but you need help. Um, you know, because as a victim of domestic violence, uh, they say it takes seven times to get away, and, and we keep being drawn back. And I was brought up in a Christian household where a divorce was wrong, Um or I was told it was wrong. And so I really wanted to try to make it work if he was willing to make it work. But um, looking back now, I wasted so much time on that energy and that thought um, that it was never, it was never going to work. But anyway, so when I moved, um, I moved to my new apartment. My parents and my sister stayed the night with me the first night, but within hours, and, and when I say hours, we probably left my home that I shared around like, one or two in the morning and then by four o'clock in the morning I woke up and I had probably 50 calls and voicemails and my voicemail didn't have my voice on it it didn't have my name on it it just had the number but he already knew it was my number um and come to find out he was cheating on me with a girl that worked for AT&T so I'm sure that's probably where he got that information from but um I didn't know that at the time uh So it was really hard for then, like, to wake up the next morning and my family had to leave and go back to our hometown, and I was here left alone with a phone and a number he already had, and he told me that he was going to find me. He said, I'll find you within the week. You know that, right? So I was already getting threats from him about finding me, and so it was just, it was really hard. I felt already defeated, and I hadn't been away from him 24 hours. I, I had tried to go back to work, um, and I switched cars with a friend so that I could work, and maybe he wouldn't be able to follow me or recognize my car, um, and I would drive for at least an hour before I went to my apartment, but he had still found, he still found my apartment within three days of me moving. Um, another thing he did was he showed up at my workplace with his knuckles all bloody and bleeding and crying. And made a huge scene where my boss took me to the side and was basically like, nobody feels safe working here with you here. 
And he said, I'm, I can't fire you, but I'm asking you to, to uh, be respectful of everyone else. So basically, he's telling me that he wants me to leave, um, but without telling me he wants me to leave. Uh, so, of course, I, I then felt like nobody wanted me there, and I, and I left my job. I really felt alone. I felt like the people that I had worked there for over two years, so I felt like the people that were supposed to have my back and supposed to be my support weren't. I, I felt alone. I felt like there wasn't any hope for me to succeed outside of the relationship with him. And so eventually I gave in and I went back because it was easier for the other people in my life if they weren't constantly receiving threats and calls and drive-bys and um, messages from him about me and about my whereabouts and what I was doing. It was almost easier to be the prisoner than it was to try to be free. Jamie, how was Vegas last weekend? Well, I didn't end up in jail or married, so I think it went pretty well. Nice. Did you win any money? Not at all. And I put the entire last-minute vacation on my credit card, so now my payments are through the roof. Yikes. I know what you mean. I used my credit card a lot last year, too. Luckily, there's Upstart. It's the fast and easy way to pay off debt with a personal loan, and you can do it all online. They're different because they look at more than just your credit score, like your income and your employment history, which means they can offer smarter rates with trusted partners. I love it because you can receive funds as fast as one business day after accepting your loan. With a five-minute online rate check, you can see your rate up front for a loan anywhere from $1,000 to $50,000. Find out how Upstart can lower your monthly payments today when you go to upstart.com slash stalking. That's upstart.com slash stalking. Don't forget to use our URL to let them know we sent you. Loan amounts will be determined based on your credit, income, and certain other information provided in your loan application. Go to upstart.com slash stalking today. Every time I go on vacation, my skin breaks out. So instead of coming back with tan lines, come back with acne. Those tropical vacations are good for your Instagram, but bad for your skin. You're not wrong, but thankfully I found Curology. I bring it with me and it keeps my skin looking as good as my tan. What I like about Curology is they made it so easy for me to get a good treatment plan. I hate shopping. I used to go to the drugstore. I never knew what to get. But with Curology, I started by answering a few questions online and sent in some selfies. Yep, they matched me with a licensed dermatology provider who got to know my skin and sent a customized prescription cream right to my door that helps with breakouts and all those fine lines that keep popping up. They helped me find a cleanser that was perfect for my oily skin. Now I not only look better, but I feel better. Take control of acne, dark spots, breakouts, or whatever your unique concerns may be with a powerful skincare treatment made for you today. Go to Curology.com slash stalking for a free 30-day trial. Just pay for shipping and handling. That's C-U-R-O-L-O-G-Y dot com slash stalking to unlock your free 30-day trial. See Curology.com for all the details. We'd like to thank Curology for sponsoring the show. Were you able to turn to any friends or family during this time? I, I did. Um, so going back to him, I felt a lot of shame going back to him. So I didn't immediately turn to my family. Uh, I made my family feel like he had gotten help and things were better because they went through all that time and energy. And actually, they moved me on my sister's birthday, which kind of ruined her birthday. You know, I... I felt responsible for that. I felt the, the shame um, for all of that and the guilt for all of that. So I, it took me a while before I shared that things were still bad with anybody. 
eventually I did reach back out to the same friends that helped me before. And, um, you know, there were several times where I would maybe leave for two or three nights, but I would end up back at home. Or I would just get away for the evening or the day and then get and then end up back because he would apologize or he would come find me and basically cause a scene until I decided to go with him. So I just felt like it was this horrible cycle that I was never going to get out of. How many times do you think you tried leaving at that point? I, I tried to leave at least four times before I finally left for good. Um, I was trying to leave for a class project to go work on a class project. And it was, uh, my junior year, at the end of my junior year, I was getting close to done with, with college and I was meeting some friends at the, um, school to work on it. And he would not let me leave. He took my phone away from me and snapped it in half. And he kept calling me a whore and a slut and told me that he wasn't going to let me go meet up with my boyfriend, which I didn't have. And, um, finally he slammed me up against the wall and he forced himself on me. And this was not the first time that he had done it, but maybe the, the time that just broke me the most. And, you know, while he was having his way with me, I decided in the back, I, I just decided like, I'm either going to die in this situation or I've got to get out. And so I made up my mind right then that I was, that I had to get out. Um, that particular night I did finally get away and I drove to the school, but I didn't have the, I didn't have the energy or the ability to get myself out of my car and go in and work with my friends. I messaged them off of, um, the school site that I just, that I wasn't able to make it. And I sat in my car and I stopped. I I cried hard, ugly tears for probably a good three or four hours. It was, it was, And, you know, it was liberating because I finally made the decision of what I was going to do, whether it killed me or not, I was leaving and I was going to stay gone. But at the same time, I was terrified. Um, So I began slowly stashing away money, um, hiding it inside the seat of my um, car. I had a little slit in the fabric and I could slide money in the stuffing um, in the cushions. And, um, you know, I moved myself because this was one of those time periods where after something really bad happened, he was being really sweet. So I moved myself into our guest room and I put two locks on the inside of the door that I could lock when I was inside to at least, I knew it wouldn't keep him out, but it would at least give me time to prepare myself for him coming in if he started to bust through it. Um, but he never did try because it was like still in that oh, I'm so sorry, I'm going to do everything I can do to make it up to you, phase. Um, during this time period, one night while he was working, I went to go hang out with some of my friends from my from my former job that had reached out to me, and so they missed me. Um, and when I went to go hang out with them, that's when I met uh, my, my current husband. And um, he was nice genuinely nice, not fake nice. Um, He listened to me when I talked. He made good conversation. He looked me in the eyes. It was just refreshing. So we became friends. 
And um, I think because of my, my friendship with him, I finally had the courage to actually make the move. And I called my mom, and she found a, a friend of hers that lived down near where I lived that would take me, and I finally moved out. The stalking didn't end there, but at least um, I was out, and I was out for good. How did your stalker react after you left him? At first, he was very, like, he, he acted very broken. Um, he was constantly crying and sending me gifts and sending me flowers, and he just acted like his whole world was destroyed. He even, like, sent his mom to come talk to me, and she had this big old sob story um, of how could you do this to him? He loves you so much. You know you're everything to him. And And I just was like, how could I be everything to him when he's done the things that he's done to me, not just once, but repeatedly over the last four years? I just don't understand how somebody can love you and treat you like that. And um, he did, his efforts to stalk me went a little bit, they weren't quite as intense this time. And I don't know if it's because he knew that I had a new friend that I was talking to, um, but he also quickly found someone new shortly after I filed for divorce. And I think that made a big difference. He had a new person to target, a new person to become obsessed with, and a new person to control. And, um, you know, as much as I, I pray for her, I also am thankful for her because I'm not sure if he wouldn't have found somebody else if he would have ever left me alone. Did he reach out to your friends during this time or anybody else in your life? Yeah, he did. Um, I found out later that he had actually called all of my friends and told them that I was cheating on him and that I was having a psychological breakdown and that I needed to go to treatment. He showed up at my, my I say friend, my new husband's house when we were still just kind of seeing each other very lightly after I'd filed for divorce, he showed up with the extra set of keys to my car and took off with my car, which of course made me hysterical. And then he shows back up and he's got his gun on his hip and he wants to talk to my new um, friend. And um, he, for a short period of time, had my new friend convinced that I was crazy and that I needed psychiatric help. And, uh, of course, you know, it didn't take very long for my friend to see through that and to see that that was just a tactic, but he really was very good at manipulating people to think that I was the crazy one. Did you realize that you were being stalked at this point? I realized I was being stalked. I, I would park my car blocks away from wherever I was going because I was worried that he would know where I was or that he would bother my friends if I went to a friend's house. Um, you know, I, I changed my number. I can't even tell you how many times I changed my phone number, but it never seemed to work. And this was before I knew that he had cheat, was cheating on me with the girl from AT&T. But, um, you know, it seemed like it wouldn't even take him, it wouldn't even take him a day to get my new number. So at some point, like AT&T, the people at the store were tired of seeing me because I would go in and have them change my number so often. Um, I finally just decided that I had to um, just pretend like I knew. I I just had to always pretend like, I know you know my number. I know you know where I live. 
but it doesn't matter. I just kind of had to make get myself in that type of mindset. But he would show up at my apartment and demand things from me like, oh, I want that TV that we had in the garage, that teeny tiny TV when I got the two big screens. I want that tiny TV. It was mine. And so I would just like reluctantly give in because I wanted him to go away and give it to him. Or I want the blender. You took the blender from the house and I want it back. So I'm not leaving until you give it to me. Or he'd get in one of those really sad, sappy moods and he'd show up with like our wedding album and, and give it to me. Like, I don't want this, but okay, if it'll make you go away, I will take it from you. Um, he used to sit outside my work in his vehicle uh, and I would still... I would have to have somebody walk me to my car. And then I would do that whole thing where I drove around for hours before I went home just to give him, get him enough off my tail so that I could make it into my apartment before he got to my apartment, um, even though he knew where I lived. Um, but like I said, I mean, I think that after I finally left him for good and filed for divorce, it was only a few months, probably four or five months before he had someone else and his attention slowly turned from stalking and bothering me to her. Were you in fear for your life? Yes. Yeah, there were several times that I was really scared, especially multiple times when I was trying to leave the house and he wouldn't let me leave. Um, you know, the times when he would get physically violent with me, shoving me down the hall or dragging me out of bed by my hair because I didn't bring someone home with me. Um, locking me out of the house on a freezing cold night when I didn't have anywhere else to go. Um, you know, there were just multiple things like that that I was like, one of these days he's going to kill me. My parents are going to read about me on the news or hear about me on the news or read about me in the paper because he is going to snap and he's going to kill me. Were you ever in a position where you had to tell people before you whether it's a job or whether it's a new friendship or anything like that, did you ever feel that you had to tell them what you're going through being, you know, basically dealing with a stalker? I more like took it the backwards way. I kind of would get him, get a new friend or get a new job or whatever and try to pretend like it wasn't happening. Um, Oh, that's just my husband. He's just checking on me. Oh, you mean he's going to sit out there in his car and stare at the front door all day? No, he's just, he doesn't have anything else to do. He's just, you know, he's just checking on me to make sure I made it to work okay. You know, I would just make excuses um, to make, to normalize it. But I, looking back, I'm like, oh my goodness, I should I probably sounded like a crazy person to all these people. But, you know, in, in the moment, I didn't want people to know how, how bad things were. I wanted to pretend like we were that happy um, couple that, that we once for a very, very short period of time were, and, um, I, you know, I, I got married really young and I didn't want people to know that I made a mistake. So I just kind of played it off and tried to pretend like everything was okay. You left him several times, but before the, the final straw, did you think that that was just going to be the rest of your life and you were just going to have to deal with his abuse and his unpredictability and behavior? Yeah, I had in a lot of ways become numb. Um, you know, he got mad at me when I cried. He got mad at me when I showed emotion. I was supposed to be this 
trophy wife all of the time. And so to be upset was not okay. To cry was not okay. To be mad was not okay. And so I kind of just started putting up these emotional walls and made myself hard. Um, you know, at one point in the relationship, I wondered if I could feel anything at all, and I had begun cutting myself. I never was suicidal. I never was had any intention of taking my life or hurting myself that seriously, but I would just scratch the surface of my arms enough to see blood and to feel that I actually do feel pain still. Um, it, it was just something psychological because I had just made myself so cold. I wasn't even sure that I still felt pain at all. Where's your stalker now? And is he still stalking you? No, my stalker is not stalking me anymore. Thank goodness. Um, like I said, he turned his attention to his, his new now wife. Um, and, uh, slowly his attention towards me tapered off and, um, and eventually stopped. Uh, I do pray for her. I know that he has a wife and a son. And last I knew, he lived in one of the suburbs of the city that I live in. However, I have not seen him, um, you know, in, in years, probably eight, nine years. So it's been a really long time. Last I knew, he worked for the Department of Homeland Security, uh, which is really scary. But, um, yeah, so that's all I know about him. I, I, I don't care. I don't want to know. Um, but if I were to run into him somewhere, I'm pretty sure that like sinking feeling would happen inside my gut and I probably wouldn't be able to breathe and I would get out of there as fast as I could. I still suffer, um, some PTSD from the relationship and, um, my poor husband, uh, my new husband has had to help me work through a lot of the pain and a lot of the problems that, um, that I have faced because of his abuse and his stalking. What do you want to see happen to your stalker? That's a really hard question to answer because, um, I, I would like for him to recognize, I would like to know that he recognizes that what, the way he treated me and what he did to me was wrong and that it was his fault. But I also hope that his relationship with his new wife isn't what ours was. I, I hope it's better. I hope that she, nobody deserves to go through what I went through. And, um, and I hope that she's not, I hope that she leads a happy life. Um, I have my doubts because people don't typically change, but, um, but yeah, I, I don't I don't know that I want anything necessarily to happen to him, but I but I do wish that he would recognize what he did and how wrong it was and how much pain he caused. But I don't know that he ever will. What do you want our listeners to know about your experience? I want people to know that stalking comes in a lot of different shapes and forms and it can be somebody that you don't know and someone you know really well. And um you feel alone in the moment and you feel alone while it's happening, but you aren't alone. There are other people going through similar situations that you're going through 
and there is hope and there's always a way out and um if someone if you don't feel safe reaching out to one person reach out to another i i just wish i would have taken more time to try to find someone to help me i know that there are there are domestic abuse um shelters here in the city that i'm in there are support groups for pe for people like me there are counselors for people like me i just wish that i would have reached out for help more and sooner than I did. And, and that's what I want other people to hear. I want them to know that there's help out there and to keep trying to find it. What changes have you made to your life because of this? Oh, goodness. Um, I'm a lot more cautious when it comes to the people that I put in my life. Um, I tend to be a little bit cold towards people at the, at the beginning until I get to know them. Um, I, I definitely um, guard my heart a lot more, even with just friendships or people in my child's life. I, um, I pray that she never ends up in a situation like me. Um, that would be the worst. That would be the worst thing. I, I hope that I can be an example to other people of of what what to avoid. Um, I hope that I can learn to recognize the red flags so that I can help others around me. Why did you decide to come forward? I I decided to come forward because I've been holding this story. Um, my new husband and I have been together 14 years. So it has been 14 years since all of this happened to me and no one other than my therapist and my new husband know the extent of the abuse that I went through. Um, and I feel that one of the last steps for me to completely heal is to be able to share my story with others so that it could help someone else. Um, even though I still don't feel comfortable, um, I, don't, I still don't feel completely comfortable in my lifestyle that I, you know, would never run into him. I still want other people to learn from my mistakes and to be able to um, recognize some of the red flags and hopefully avoid the situation completely. If they hurt you once and they say they're sorry and they'll never do it again, it's not true. Um, the cycle of abuse tends to get worse and worse and worse. And once they've allowed themselves to physically harm somebody, it's very, very, very unlikely that they will ever stop. And it will most likely escalate with every time. So don't think that it won't happen again. They promised me it's all going to be okay. It's not necessarily, and, and most of the time, not true. Um, get yourself out of the situation. And if you're being stalked, let people know. Um, let people know what's going on in your life. Let people know um, what to look out for. What, and um, hopefully the people around you can be, build you up and be your support group. And you'll feel stronger as a group than you are by yourself. What have you learned from listening to Strictly Stalking? You know, I maybe didn't really realize that my situation was a stalking situation until I listened to Strictly Stalking. I um, 
knew I was in a domestic violence situation, but um, to hear some of the people come out and say some of the things that their stalkers did, I was like, oh, oh, yes, oh, yeah, they did that to me, too. Um, and so I think I've just learned um, maybe maybe some signs of people that have those traits. Um, you know, recently my family has has been um, in Come to come into contact with someone who is who is narcissistic and who could be a person like that, and I we've decided as a family to to kind of like put that person on the back burner and not let them be involved in our lives because we can see that tendency in her, and um, you know, so hopefully listening to your podcast helps people to be able to recognize some of those things that are um, you know maybe safer. How important is therapy for someone who's dealing with a stalker? Therapy is extremely important. Not not just for people dealing with stalkers, for anybody going through any type of emotional situation. I still talk to my therapist and it's been 14 years. Um, I don't talk to her every week like I did when I was first getting, you know, kind of getting myself through this situation, but I, but I still have a relationship with her and I can still call her anytime I need and she'll make room for me and she'll make time for me. Um, it's important for you to have somebody that knows you and knows your history and knows your manner, mannerisms and can help talk you through what you're feeling and why you're feeling the way you are. Um, I did not realize I had PTSD. I actually went to my counselor because my new husband, um, he's, he's sober, but um, he was drinking in the beginning of our marriage, and I went to my my new counselor, to, hoping that she would tell me to leave him. But that's not what she told me. She taught me how to love him through it and how to, um, you know, set up healthy boundaries for myself, which obviously, um, based on my past experience, I had no boundaries. Um, but now I do. I have healthy boundaries, and I'm happy to say that my husband is sober and happy, and he's a great dad, and he's a great husband. That's amazing. It sounds like you're in a really good place. Yes, thank you. Robin, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you very much for having me and for listening to my story. Thank you for sharing it. If anyone out there is in need of help or is a victim of stalking, please reach out. You can find a list of resources on our Instagram at Strictly Stalking Pod. If you'd like to share your story with us on Strictly Stalking, you can reach us at strictlystalkingpod at gmail.com. That's strictly stalking pod at gmail.com. And now we're on Patreon where you can sign up for exclusive bonus episodes, early episode trailers, and check out show merchandise. Just go to patreon.com slash strictly stalking. I'm Jake Deptula. And I'm Jamie Beebe. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of Strictly Stalking. Imagine a world where animals and humans coexist in harmony, where wild animals thrive, habitats are protected, and marginalized communities are empowered. At International Animal Rescue, this is our vision. Our holistic, community-led projects not only rescue animals, but also protect and replenish precious habitats, creating a better future for us all. But we can't do this without you. Show your support now and help keep the wild, wild. Visit internationalanimalrescue.org. 
This is your invitation to a masterclass in engineering and design. Your ticket to go from zero to 60 with the Lexus Performance Line. A feeling this dynamic is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the exhilaration of the Lexus Performance Line and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer.